It's time to get in the zone. The Fantasy Football Zone. Hey guys, where else would you rather be? Get involved with the show by following us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Want a piece of that championship? Put it in here. This is the Fantasy Football Zone. Welcome back in Fantasy Football Zone. It is PJ with you, and hopefully you did good last week. You're still on that playoff track. If not, we're going to help you out best we can to try to sneak you in this week. Yeah, a lot of league formats. This is it. This is the final week of the regular season, so we're going to do our best to help you get in this week. We'll be joined by Joe Bartle, rotowire.com, coming up in minutes. But first, I want to highlight some of the players and matchups going on here in this big, crucial Week 13, here we are. We're going to start off uh, Thanksgiving Day, of course. Uh, tomorrow, we got the Bills and the Cowboys. And just wanted to highlight Cole Beasley's return to Dallas. Now, he's leading the Bills with six catches, 78 yards, and a TD last week in receiving. He's going to aim for his third in a row versus an NFC East opponent with a receiving touchdown. He had, again, 319 catches for 3,271 yards, 23 TDs in seven seasons with the Cowboys, so a big return for him. Uh, John Brown had his fifth TD catch of the season last week. He aims for a third in a row with a receiving touchdown and six in the road on the road with 70-plus receiving yards. So those Bills, they're trying to uh, get it. And, of course, Dallas, all the questions. Questions this week. They're trying to get that offense going, especially Amari Cooper, who was shut down completely last week. Uh, the Thanksgiving night game, again, it's the Saints and the Falcons. Looking on the things for the Falcons. Again, maybe a running back you might want to be looking to pick up. Brian Hill. He had 71 scrimmage yards, uh, 61 on the ground, 10 receiving yards, and a touchdown catch in their Week 10 meeting. Rookie running back Quadre Olison. he had a rushing touchdown last week. He aims for his third game in a row with a rushing touchdown as well. So, again, those could be some risky plays but if you need a running back, maybe in the flex position or injuries you're dealing with, might want to look at some of those Falcons backs. They might get some opportunities in that game coming up Thanksgiving night. Uh, Ravens and 49ers, this is just a huge matchup, maybe a Super Bowl preview game. Marquise Brown for the Ravens, he came alive Monday night football, five catches, no, again, 42 yards, but he had the two touchdowns. Now he leads all rookies with six touchdown catches, is the only AFC rookie with two-plus receiving touchdowns in multiple games this season. Willie Sneed, he had the two TD catches last week, his third career game with multiple receiving, so they're getting him more involved as well. And again, Mark Andrews continues his good season, a TD catch in two of the past three games. He's tied for the NFL lead among tight ends with six receiving touchdowns. Of course, the 49ers are going to continue to try to get that run game going. Tevin Coleman, he had the rushing touchdown last week, 50-plus scrimmage yards in three of his last four road games with San Francisco so far this year. Raheem Mostert, he had his second rush touchdown of the season last week as well, but it looks like Tevin Coleman's still the man to go in that uh, rushing attack for San Francisco, and again, that's going to be a huge matchup in Baltimore coming up this week. Another game I want to look at, uh, the Jets and the Bengals. Yes, not you know the greatest records in the world. But Sam Darnold, again, 20 of 29 passes last week, uh, 315 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, had a 127.8 rating, the highest of the year for him. He aims for his third in a row with two-plus TD passes and a 120-plus rating, and he's got a very favorable matchup against this Bengals secondary, which is just banged up and has been awful all year. And one of his favorite car- targets has been a tight end, and tight end's always hard to find. Ryan Griffin, though, for the Jets, he's going to aim for his third game in a row with a TD catch. He 
He ranks third among AFC tight ends right now with five receiving touchdowns in 2019. So Darnold's got that passing going. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell had a pretty good rushing game as well last week, and he's going to look to continue that. Bengals side of things, they're going back to Andy Dalton. And again, I I didn't understand the move when they made it to uh, Ryan Finley, and uh, Dalton was putting up some pretty good fantasy numbers for you, 300-plus yard games, multiple touchdown games as well. So he's making his first start since week eight. He has 691 passing yards with six TDs and two interceptions against the Jets. So he's averaging 345.5 yards per game against the Jets. So it could be a big game for Andy Dalton getting back into the starting role coming up in that one. All right, so we got the Tennessee Titans, Indianapolis Colts, big AFC South showdown, and A.J. Brown, the rookie for the Titans, four catches, career-high 135 yards in the touchdown last week. He leads all AFC rookies with 581 receiving yards. He's the only AFC wide receiver with 100-plus receiving yards in multiple games in 2019, and it looks like he has been the favorite target of Ryan Tannenhill for the Titans so far. So A.J. Brown, you might want to look at. And again with the Colts running back, Jonathan Williams, he rushed for 104 yards, his second career TD last week. He aims for his third in a row with 100-plus yards. Uh, Titans defense pretty stout, but we'll see if he can do it uh, this week as well. Want to highlight the Miami Dolphins, and yeah, that has not been said a lot this year, but uh, they are starting to get some fantasy value on the offense. Kalen Balazs, he had a rush touchdown in two of his past three home games, so maybe, you know, it's a risky start, but, you know, the recent history tells us he's producing, so you can look at that. Devontae Parker, who's been a popular pickup the last couple of weeks, six catches, 91 yards last week. He aims for his third in a row with six-plus catches, 90-plus yards. He has a TD catch in three of his past four home games. Miami at home this week against Philadelphia, so might want to watch out for that. Another matchup I want to look at, it's the uh, Chargers and the Broncos. AFC West showdown. Melvin Gordon, 90 scrimmage yards, 69 rushing, 21 receiving in their Week 11 game against Kansas City. They were off last week. He aims for his fourth in a row with 90-plus scrimmage yards. And the thing is with this, they are giving Gordon the go with the rushing, but also Austin Eckler out of the backfield. He had eight catches for Team I, 108 yards in Week 11. He's the only running back in the NFL with 100-plus receiving yards in multiple games this season. He aims for his seventh in a row with a TD on the road. He had a career-high 15 catches, 86 yards in the Week 5 meeting against the Broncos. So, again, that could be a huge fantasy day out of the backfield. So I say Gordon and Eckler, start them both if you've got uh, either one of those. Get them in your lineups. For the Broncos, Cortland Sutton. Again, he has uh, been coming on. Four catches, 92 yards, touchdown catch in their Week 5 meeting against the Chargers. He has 299 receiving yards and a TD in three games versus uh, the division this year. So he's almost at 100 yards against all of their division opponents. So might want to put that in the back of your mind if you're uh, thinking about Cortland Sutton this week. Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Darren Waller, the tight end, he had 41 receiving yards last week. Yeah, a little down performance, but check this out. He has a TD catch in two of his past three road games. He had six catches for 63 yards in the Week 2 meeting, and he ranks third among tight ends in catches and receiving yards this season, so it could be a bounce-back game for Darren Waller against that Chiefs secondary. And LaShawn McCoy, going to have to watch out for him. He may be getting more carries this week uh, with Damian Williams uh, still suffering some uh, injury concerns there. Uh, Again, McCoy, 57 scrimmage yards, 29 receiving, 28 on the ground, and that TD in the Week 11 contest against the Chargers. He has 175-plus scrimmage yards in two of his past three games against Oakland. So he's had some recent 
success against the Raiders. So look for Shady McCoy. Could have a big game. And the Monday Nighter, the Vikings at the Seattle Seahawks. And that Seattle passing game against Philly, they they missed some opportunities. Uh, some of the receivers, the ball just went through their hands. They could have blew that game out. And uh, Philly's defense hang tough. And, uh, you know, Seattle missed a lot of opportunities. So I look for those receivers to bounce back against the Vikings secondary. That can be had. Tyler Lockett, seven receiving touchdowns in his past six at home. He aims for his seventh in a row at home with a TD catch. Uh, DK Metcalf, he could have had a huge game in Philadelphia if it wasn't for some drops. He had a receiving touchdown in two of his past three games at home as well. He's among rookies in uh, 2019, tied for second in receiving touchdowns with five. He ranked second in receiving yards with 630 and third in receptions with 38. And Malik Turner, another guy to watch out for. He had his career first uh, touchdown last week against Philadelphia on that uh, nice trick play. So again, uh, could have some good options there for Seattle coming up Monday night. You know you want advice. You know you want answers. You know you need a little help. Swallow that pride, young man. Swallow it. Send your sit or start questions into the zone on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. This is the Fantasy Football Zone. Fantasy Football Zone. Joe Bartle once again joining us from RotoWire.com. And Joe, a lot of leagues. This is it. Regular season come to an end. Playoffs start next week, so the big playoff push is on. Yeah, this this is it. You're right. In the 13 leagues, I have uncombined all the records that I have, and I'm 80 and 76. And so, model of 500, if you if you will. And of those 13 leagues, either either I'm confirmed or I, I have a pretty good shot at making the playoffs in six of them. So this is going to be a pivotal week for a lot of people, and it's going to be great to kind of discuss uh, how to plan accordingly for the playoffs and and what's your strategy if you are one of those that are, are trying to fight your way in with this last week here. Yeah, this this week is big too because you know, you've got you want to win but you also in some cases you got to score a lot of points because you got to leapfrog some people maybe to get into that final spot or those final two spots or playoff positioning maybe to get a bye which is always nice. So I mean, that, that's the fun part about the final regular season week is you want to win and you want to win big. Yeah, absolutely. You have to have some luck go your way. This is also, why I like being in leagues where you're rewarding people who have scored the most points. Yes. I, I think that's whether it be a, a third or fourth seed or like one of the last playoff spots that you have, or if you go ahead and give them the second place uh, spot with the highest record being the first one overall. Like I, I like I like where we're rewarding that kind of aspect because you have situations where you might be down your uh, down your luck, but you've been scoring so many different points and uh, you need some things to work out your way. But I, I like leagues that kind of have that format involved or a stipulation with the playoffs because you have more hope, I think, to make the playoffs in a, in a, pivotal, week, a pivotal week like this. I guess we'll get into the Dallas situation here because, yeah, they had a tough matchup against New England, and it was an elements game as well, so that could have affected some of the scoring. But these Cowboys down the stretch here, obviously the th- traditional Thanksgiving Day game tomorrow, but you know it's still a tough matchup against the Bills' defense. So do you have much faith in the uh, Cowboys' uh, offensive threats down the stretch here? Yeah, the, the Cowboys-Bills Thursday night afternoon game is over under situated at 47, 47. So Vegas seems to think there's going to be some offense in this game, and I, I tend to agree too. I would not be surprised if this is a 27 to 23 kind of game or a 24 to 20 kind of game where the Cowboys or Bills have a chance, they're driving down that last uh, possession to see who wins the game. And I think there's going to be enough offense involved from the Bills perspective that the Cowboys are also going to have to match that. And I, I know the Bills defense is pretty good, but I do think the wind, the wind 
and rain conditions in New England last week played a difference and a significant difference in how good the Cowboys were able to move the ball. Now, do I think they would have beat the Patriots? No. Do I think that if it was a clear 75 you know, weather day mm-hmm. uh, in New England that was going to make a difference? No. I, I think the Cowboys just are not one of the best teams in the NFL, despite what the fans really specifically and only in Dallas might think. <laughs> and, and despite how great the offenses looked, I think there's some real concerns with the defense and consistency when it comes to offense. And as a Packers fan, we know all too well about the inconsistencies in offense. So Amari Cooper in particular, I imagine yep. you don't have many better options in terms of starting him. I don't feel great about him going against Tredavious White. But Michael Gallup, Randall Cobb, I think you could make a case to, to start. And how about this revenge game on Thursday afternoon, Cole Beasley against his former team. I, yes. I know that we try not to look at narratives too much, but I would be lying if I wasn't at least a little bit enticed as to what a revenge game Cole Beasley might look like. And he had some, uh, if I remember right, some pretty good Thanksgiving games in the past for him as well. I mean, with catches and maybe not so many touchdowns, but he was always that slot guy for him. And, yeah, I I could see him having a pretty decent game tomorrow. Yeah, I think it's going to be, does Devin Singletary score a touchdown or does Cole Beasley score a touchdown? And then if one scores, I don't think the other one will. So as a Devin Singletary owner at a few places, I hope it's I hope it's the former and Singletary that scores. But I could see it. And I, I think the Bills' offense will be able to move the ball. Of course, Josh Allen is one of those uh, giveth and then taketh away quarterbacks, much like Jameis Winston. But he does enough, and I think he's got the arm strength and arm strength, and really the mobility is the, the biggest part of him as a quarterback. That he should be able to take advantage of a Cowboys defense that I think is slightly overrated. Um, I don't anticipate they're going to give that much of an issue for the pass rush. Certainly, um, not to the extent that the Packers and 49ers, which we could probably talk about later. Yeah. Uh, but like I think, I think Allen and the Bills are going to do enough. Well, this is going to be a competitive game. Both teams are going to be having to move the ball up and down the field. And maybe touchdowns aren't scored a lot, but even like the field goal kickers in this contest, I feel pretty good about saying are, are going to do all right. Well, let's go to the Thanksgiving night game, too. Saints, Falcons. I'm having trouble believing what uh, Falcons receiver I should believe in. I, I do have Calvin Ridley, so I'm happy with some of the things. But, you know, Julio Jones, another kind of weird game. And, and Matt Ryan, I mean, that game last week against Tampa Bay, I thought it was set up for him to have a huge numbers. But it, it didn't turn out that way. So now they are, they're at home taking on the Saints. Uh, again, Thanksgiving night game. Uh, I, I'm just struggling to trust which Falcons receiver is going to break out? How about which Falcons team is going to be there? Too, I mean, yeah. I mean that, that's kind of what we're boiling it down to right now. And kind of like how Thursday night games end up being fluky, I feel like NFC South games, with all four of those teams, end up being really weird. Like if you imagine the Panthers playing against the, the Dolphins, they're going to run over them, right? But yeah. the Falcons were essentially the Dolphins for nine weeks. And the Falcons destroyed Kyle Allen and the Panthers. And I, I feel like this happens every single time with NFC South games. So now we combine the NFC South flukiness with a Thursday night game flukiness. And this makes me very concerned if I'm a fantasy owner. I don't think you can avoid not playing Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, uh, all the receivers, quite frankly, from both sides of the ball. Like this, You would imagine, like everything, if this was in a Sunday night game or whatever else, you'd imagine everything would be going in favor of the fantasy scoring. But whatever the reason, I feel a little bit wary about trusting guys uh, – Maybe like Devonta Freeman in particular. He's coming back from his injury this week. You have to imagine they're going to get him involved in the offense or try to, but I just don't know what that really means against the Saints defense. And the same goes for a guy like Julio Jones, who's been inconsistent and hasn't been scoring touchdowns, or Calvin Ridley, who goes off one week and then does nothing uh, the next week. So it's tough. And I've been recommending Russell Gage, at least in DFS, uh, if you're playing the Thursday DFS slate, because you need some of those cheaper options. That wide receiver, Cole Beasley's another one. But 
I, I completely understand the skepticism that might come with the, the Falcons' passing attack because we don't know what we're getting any single week from the Falcons, much less playing a divisional foe on a, a day in the week which is traditionally really wonky when it comes to fantasy sports. And, and I forgot the earlier matchup, Bears-Lions. Do we even have to talk about that? I was going to say you rightfully, <laughs> you rightfully skipped the Bears-Lions. Yeah. I think, frankly, the Bears and Lions might want to skip that, too. They award the turkey after the game or whatever else, and everyone's celebrating and eating the – of a drumstick, whatever, and I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of just uh, say, "No, no, no, that's that's fine. Let's just get out of here as fast." It's gonna be like a, a super two-hour, two and a half-hour game, real quick, and you won't even know it after you're falling asleep with uh, the mashed potatoes in your hand. It'll be a nine-six game or something like that. <laughs> it's just gonna be so ugly. I got, I, I didn't know if you were intentionally skipping or not, but I thought yeah, it was very funny of. that yeah. we're talking about all these Thursday night games yeah. that we completely go over the very first one, and rightfully so. Like of those guys. Of anybody in this game, like who's the most owned? Maybe Allen Robinson you'd be using. And yeah. again, in DFS, I, I get it completely, and I think he'll do all right. But he's completely hemorrhaged by uh, Mitch Trubisky throwing in the ball. And I know he did great last week. This would be a great situation for uh, Robinson to repeat. You can't not have him in your lineup. But that's about it. Like Kenny Galladay, I'm not playing. I have him just about everywhere. But with Scarborough, I could see falling into the end zone, and that's going to be part of one of those. 14 to 12, you know, barn burner classics. Yeah. I anticipate this is going to be. That's it, though. There isn't really anybody else uh, that I feel great using, about, whether it be Anthony Miller or Taylor Gabriel. Those secondary options from that passing attack, I'm I'm trying to stay as far away from as possible. Yeah, that's why I did that on purpose because I'm I, I was trying to think. I'm like, <laughs> I, I is Jason Hansen still available? I used to pick him all the time because I because my story yeah, was only that, when he was playing the Packers and destroying yeah, it. That's yeah, what I was going to say. Yeah. That, <laughs> the the one like everyone's anticipating the Bears win, and I, I get that, right? The we don't even know if the Lions are having Jeff Driscoll play, much less uh, like a third string quarterback. So it would make sense. The Bears defense isn't as good as it was last year, but it's good enough. It, it'd be difficult. But the Lions always play the teams on Thanksgiving tough. This is their Super Bowl. Yeah. I've I've been raised the right way as Packers fan, so I know all too well how many upsets and disappointments happen when the Packers uh, play the Lions, or the Bears play the Lions, or Vikings play the Lions. Like, this stuff happens all the time, and I think Detroit is going to come to play. This is their Super Bowl, and they're going to act like it. Well, now I'm going to talk about the worst team in the league, and I, I guess they're going back to Andy Dalton and the Cincinnati Bengals, and I guess for that, that's got to be good for the offense because when he was in there, they were actually you know moving the ball and putting up some fantasy numbers. So, I mean, this is you know it's a stretch to try to trust the worst team in football as you're trying to advance and in the fantasy playoffs, but can you trust your Bengals a little bit more now that uh, Andy Dalton's back at the helm? Well, well, it's interesting. So Joe Mixon kind of was the biggest benefit of Ryan Finley, the starting quarterback, if only because they had absolutely no trust and faith in Finley doing anything more than a two-yard throw. So Mixon was getting 30-plus carries and just not doing very much with it. I think this really cuts into Mixon's production. And If you were relying on Joe Mixon as a late first-round pick, I can't imagine you've made it to the point in the season where you're playoff eligible but if you were, by some crazy reason, in the spot, I wouldn't feel great about him now with Andy Dalton back at quarterback. However, I do think this gives a boost to Tyler Boyd, who was droppable, quite frankly, in the last three or four weeks and really hasn't been able to do much. I think with Andy Dalton back, and you're talking about junk time production, which they were getting quite consistently throughout the early portions of this year, I feel okay saying he's now a wide receiver two or a flex again, which is what he was five or six weeks ago, and that's crazy to think about. I would have, I, I was just to the point where, oh, maybe I need to start dropping uh, Tyler Boyd for a Bo Scarborough or Jonathan Williams just to pro- provide some depth to my team because there's no way he's going to do anything. And we might now be the case where 
he's not just a person you need to have in your roster, but a person you need to have in your starting lineup. Up next, a team that, uh, you know, their offense is all over the place, the uh, Tennessee Titans. And do you believe going down the stretch, can A.J. Brown, do you believe in him? And I know Derrick Henry, here we go again. He's starting to go off right when fantasy owners need him to. But how much can we rely on this Titans offense down the stretch? Yeah, Brown, four catches, 135 yards and a touchdown. It, it was kind of lost, I think, in weeks one and two with the John Rosses and Marquise Browns and Terry McLaurin's kind of uh, emerging and, and breaking out as the top pick of a DJ Chark probably belongs in that conversation as well. But A.J. Brown also had a, a pretty good week one and two performance as well where you had to kind of consider him. And then Marcus Mariota continued to do Mariota things, and you're like, oh, boy, I don't want anything to do with this type of passing attack. And that's kind of still how I feel, but maybe it shouldn't be. I mean, Ryan Tannehill has quite clearly made this offense better. Yes, Derek Henry's gotten more involved, and we could talk about him a little bit further. But A.J. Brown at times has been a, a difference maker. I think more in a best ball format, it makes sense with them. And, of course, you're not drafting best ball in week 13 of the NFL season. So it's difficult to say, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and throw them out there. Mm-hmm. You look at the matchups that they have to come, the Colts, of course, this week. You don't know what their quarterback depth is going to be. They were limited on Thursday against the Texans last week. They play the, the Raiders in week 14, Texans in week 15, Saints in week 16. That's all sub-20 uh, overall or lower in terms of aligning points to the fantasy position. So it's possible, but it just feels really uneasy for me to say yes. I need a Ryan Tannehill-led wide receiver on my fantasy lineup right now. I get it with Derrick Henry. I mean, his role in that offense, and I do think the Titans are going to score points uh, in the weeks to come, but I just can't say consistently or reliably I want to have an A.J. Brown or a Corey Davis or whatever else in there, even with Tannehill looking better and certainly much better than Mariota has for really his entire tenure with the Titans. Up next, kind of a backfield that has surprised me the last couple of weeks. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers backfield. Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber, they're putting up decent numbers here. I'm not going to say they're going off the off the charts here, but a lot more production than I thought than heading in, and they've been getting better as the season goes on. Now, obviously, they're going to throw the ball a million times, and Jameis Winston, he could have six interceptions or six touchdowns from week to week. You never know, but I, I'm surprised by the production they're getting out of that backfield. Yeah, Ronald Jones, a touchdown in three of the last four weeks, uh, 51 yards rushing at the Falcons last week. Now faces the Jacksonville franchise that just let Derrick Henry completely run roughshod on in the second half. And I think this is a great matchup. Like, if I have a lot of Ronald Jones shares, and he is kind of getting smashed in my flex spot right now because I feel pretty comfortable. Yes, they're going to be passing the ball. Yes, either Mike Evans or Chris, Chris Goblin, not both, because heaven forbid both receivers for a Buccaneers receiving court could actually do something in a given game. But one or the other is going to do well. As a result, the production and opportunities are there for the running back of the Buccaneers to do well. For much of the season, the running back of the Buccaneers was a question that you had to ask, whether it be Peyton Barber or Ronald Jones. I think we've kind of finally clearly gotten to the point where Ronald Jones is the better option. Mm-hmm. And when he gets involved in the receiving game, he's had at least two catches in all the last four weeks. He had eight against the Cardinals three weeks ago. That's not happening again. I'm sorry, he had eight targets. Um, yeah. But you, as long as he's getting two or three catches per game, you're now building yourself a safe floor in a PPR format where he can consistently and reliably say he is going to be a flex. And if he falls in the end zone, perfect. That's exactly what you're looking for. And I think especially this week against Jacksonville, you feel great about that. Now, week 14 against the Colts, maybe not. But during the fantasy championships, week 15, week 16, Lions and Texans, you can absolutely start him against both those teams and feel comfortable saying, you're getting at least 10 to 15, which is what you want on your flex spot. Exactly right. And we'll get to it now. The Packers, yeah, the rough one against the 49ers, to say the least. 
Got the Giants this week in uh, in New York, and for whatever reason, whenever they go to New York, it's it's an interesting game like they did last year against the Jets towards the end of the season. I know it was a different team and all that, but uh, do you expect like a shootout against the Giants this week for the for the Packers Giants game? Well, how about anytime they play the Giants, it just yeah. ends up being weird, right? Like I think that's the playoff memories, yeah. and you know, the, the, coming off the Super Bowl, that was the next year. That was the year for the Packers to really cement themselves as a, a great team. And other than the Hail Mary that occurred in that game at the, at the end of the half, <laughs> they got completely obliterated by the Giants, and it's been consistently. And I, I think, of course, uh, when Brett Favre threw the interception and Tom Coughlin's cheeks were yeah. rosy red. Like these are painful memories as Packers fans for the Giants. I'm concerned about the weather, and it's weird to say um, as a Packers fan saying, oh, yeah, this team might not do well if it's raining and snowing. It looks like it's about a 50, 50, uh, 60% chance of rain, at least in New York. And I'm no meteorologist. I hate predicting these things on a Wednesday when the game's on a Sunday. But if the weather becomes a problem, you look at the receiving core, and I don't know how you have any confidence, given what you saw last week against the 49ers, that the secondary options, whether it be Geronimo Allison or Jake Kumaro or Marquez Scantling. I don't feel like any of those guys are really going to do that well in rainy conditions against the Giants. And even though their secondary is bad, I think that, that those conditions can really level the playing field when it comes to talent. All these NFL guys are athletes, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, There might be peak athletes, but everyone's basically a similar level at the athlete's perspective. And I think even with the cornerback struggling, it's Devontae Adams that's going to make a big difference for this to be uh, closer to the spread. The Packers are favored by 6.5 in New York. I think for that to occur, you're going to have to have a really big Devontae Adams game and have to have Aaron Jones really start breaking off some big runs, which we haven't seen against uh, good talent like we uh, like last week against the 49ers, which was, again, just an utter disappointment. And I, I'm about ready for the Packers to never go to California ever again. That's kind of where I'm at at this point in the season. I, I've got to ask you, too, because and this is somewhat of a fantasy question but more of a team question, too. Those second wide receivers, those options, I know they love to develop them and – and draft them and whatnot, but I they just it always seems to be they cannot find a second one right now. And do they have to actually sign someone this offseason? Because I know there were some rumors about going maybe after Emmanuel Sanders, which would have been awesome in the offense. But it just seems like this development thing they're just it's just not working. Well, for a long time they were the second and third round uh, rookie wide receiver factory, right? Like yes. that's where. We were getting Devontae Adams and Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb. And I don't think James Jones was in that conversation, at least least in terms of draft picks. Greg Jennings also in that spot. So they've been able to produce that for a long time. And other than maybe like the the fourth through sixth round offensive lineman, that's the one area the Packers have been able to consistently draft well. And it's been weird to see them start going now for the sixth, seventh round with receivers, whether it be – uh, Jamal Moore, who they ended up cutting, I think, what, last offseason, or mm-hmm. Marquez Veldes-Scantling, Al Lazard was a later-round pick as well. And those guys are at least serviceable. And when you're drafting at that late uh, and hoping to get production, these guys that are starting, that's that's good. That's fine. But I, I think at this point it's very clear, and even with Jerome Allison, these are guys that are, are not anything more than number three, four, or five wide receivers on a team. And, and they miss a number two, and especially – when they don't have a tight end that can do anything. Like I think back to Michael Finley it was really the last time the Packers had a productive tight end option. It's frustrating. I, I'm certain Jimmy Graham's gone after this year. I was a proponent of keeping him this past off season because what were they going to use the money on anyway? And mm-hmm. lo and behold, they end up spending a lot on the defense, yeah. which is great and much needed. And I think is the reason why the Packers, despite how badly they got their butts beat by the 49ers, still have a chance to do something in the playoffs this year is because of those off season additions. 
I think you're going to have to see something happen with the wide receivers, whether it be Emmanuel Sanders or investing a high pick at that position, which they've been neglecting, it feels like, yes. now for the past four or five years. It, it's going to – something needs to change. I, I was really high in MVS. I thought this was going to be the year. I loved his speed. I loved his size. And they've kind of just went away from him in the past three or four weeks and – if that's the case, that's a big eye opener to me that, yes, that there needs to be some changes to that receiving core. And I know they got Ekman St. Brown, too, on IR and all and all that, too. But it's just, I, I look at it and I'm like, you know, look at other teams around the league and they're just not matching up those the, the production they're getting out of their number twos. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean that's that's quite clear at this point. Equinemia St. Brown was also in that conversation for one of those late-round picks. And I think a lot of people are hoping that he would do something this year. It yeah. certainly seemed that the Packers front office was as well. And and maybe that makes a difference. I don't know. It's. I was pretty happy with Lazard, uh, certainly after that Lions game. I thought he could be the guy. I thought MVS could be the guy. And, and yet we've really never seen one of these people really break off. And, of course, Jake Kumaro is local yeah. legend around here. Yes. And yet he hasn't been able to do anything either, too. So at this point, there needs to be either a signing or a high draft pick and really get, um, I think, more speed in the field, more quickness on the field. And to me, maybe it's because I've been a Randall Cobb truther for some time, but a it really feels like that offense misses what he could do. All right, we'll get into the big Week 13 matchups. We'll start off with those running backs. Uh, which running backs do you like this week? Yeah, I think there's going to be a handful that you can make a case that are going to exceed their production. Of course, Derrick Henry has now kind of become that playoff guy, and I think against the Colts this week, we have them ranked number three overall. That's pretty darn close with only Chris McCaffrey and Ezekiel Elliott above him, where I'll probably have them at this point. It's Again, I think the Titans' offense can move the ball, but when they have Derrick Henry getting the ball in space, they're able to use his size and speed and, and real girth, quite frankly, to be able to move the pile and make a difference. I think it's a huge thing. And when you're talking about a guy that's 240, 6'4", or whatever else, running near the red zone, like how does he not score a touchdown? Yeah. I think Titans are moving the ball. They're going to get near the red zone, and if that's the case, Derrick Henry's falling in. So he's a fantastic play, and I think you have to feel comfortable with um, – as a top five, if not a top or a top ten, if not a top five option overall, I like Devin Singletary this week too. We have him ranked number nineteen. I think that's about where I'd like to have him too, uh, with guys like Chris Carson, Joe Mixon, Carlos Hyde, Miles Sanders, all below him. I, this is a, a point, and I think a smash point for him as well against that Cowboys defense that is a little bit susceptible and, and should be explosive plays on both sides of the ball. Again, this is going to be a bit more high scoring. I think some people might anticipate, and I'm I'm in on Devin Singletary finding his way in the end zone. The other running back, though, is kind of a free agent pickup this week, Benny Snell okay. against the Browns defense. I don't know what we're going to see from Browns Steelers part two, so maybe this ends up getting even more rough and tough, and just makes anybody fantasy wise irrelevant. Mm-hmm. But if there's going to be a guy that can benefit in that sort of atmosphere, it's the bruising running back Benny Snell, who's gotten 20 plus carries. We know they don't want to use Jalen Samuels in that capacity. And when you're talking about your third string really should be your second string quarterback now starting in uh, in, in Duck Hodges, yep. why not go ahead and re- rely on the running game and like a guy like Benny Snell who can really slow down the tempo and I think uh, keep the guys like Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, and Odell Beckham off the field. We saw how dynamic it could be last week against the Dolphins. Let's just take that option away with a good running game and Benny Snell. Wide receivers matchups this week, who do you like? Yeah, I've seen some people uh, – Talk up Odell Beckham, and I've been one of them in this group. I don't know if it's this week, but maybe for the fantasy playoffs, there isn't a guy that I want to feel more comfortable using other than Michael Thomas. So it's not the Odell Beckham week that you want to have this week. But we saw with Jarvis Landry and Odell last week against the Dolphins, 
the offense is there and they're picking up. And as long as you feel comfortable trusting in Baker Mayfield, I'm not trusting uh, yeah. Freddie Kitchens, but Baker Mayfield, and I do, I think that's going to be an okay spot. We have DeAndre Hopkins ranked number 16 against the Patriots defense. I know Stephon Gilmore really is like the most suited quarterback to handle a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, but I think he's going to be well enough. And I've had a lot of people like ask questions, do I – play John Brown over DeAndre Hopkins oh. or something like that. And, and it's just like, yeah, it's, yeah. I, I get it. I get it. But let's, yeah. let's not overthink things, especially, mm-hmm. especially week 13 for the fantasy playoff. So if you have Hopkins, yes, you're probably not getting, you know, eight catches, 110 yards and a touchdown. Like he does almost every other week, but I still think you're getting 50 to 60 yards and four or five catches, which in the PPR league, you cannot have out of your lineup given his potential. And that goes back to what we talked about a couple weeks ago. You draft these guys high for a reason, and you trust them. And and Hopkins is one of those guys I see you know, every week. Right. And I guess we'll go down to another guy in Cooper Cup, who at one point was like the top wide receiver yes. and has fallen off the planet yeah. with how bad Jared Goff has looked. And I get it. They've struggled. He's had nine catches over the last three weeks. He was shut out against the Steelers. Uh, he had what, just three against the Bears, then six for 35 against the Ravens. That was a pretty difficult stretch. You're going against the Cardinals this week. I know the Rams' offense is bad. I get it. But I know the Cardinals' defense is worse, and I think Cooper Cup's going to get involved. You can't bench him, and I think, especially when he's getting at least 10 targets, which he saw last week, you're, you're going to be comfortable saying he's going to get at least uh, 10 to 15 TPR points for you, and that's at least enough for a wide receiver, too. You, you can't take him out of your lineup. Tight end, or actually, we'll go back. We'll go over the quarterbacks here. I, I mean, I'm trying to figure out and gloss over the quarterbacks. Besides Lamar Jackson? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say Lamar Jackson, who still continues to kick me while I'm down because I didn't keep him in one of my leagues this year because I didn't think he'd have the passing yards. And Well, I mean, he still doesn't have a ton of passing yards, but, I mean, he's putting up five touchdowns through the air. So, Oh, yeah, say. five touchdowns, yeah. less than 100 yards per game. Yeah. It was very clear that you didn't listen to Jerry Donabedian before. Oh, I did because. We are, we are both pretty high on Lamar Jackson. I, mean, I get it. I, I, this is like one of the things that um, I can I can feel comfortable with and um, at least celebrate a little bit in terms of fantasy calls because I was I was in a Lamar Jackson and even still last week I ended up benching him for Russell Wilson because uh, no, it's yep. the Eagles secondary. Like this could be a great spot. And if any time Lamar Jackson was in a struggle, it's going to be against a Rams defense that has a lot of speed and whatever else. Well, I should have remembered and and this is you know a detriment to myself. Clay Matthews can't handle a read option. I should have known that. Of course, Lamar Jackson's going to go ahead and run for 90-plus yards. We watched that multiple years with Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, that was you know, a mistake on me, and it might have cost me a playoff spot, unfortunately. Looking at the quarterbacks, though, that I think will do well, Andy Dalton coming back I think makes a bigger deal for streaming defenses. It makes a bigger deal for the opposing quarterback going against him, too. There's going to be a lot of production, I think, from both sides. So guy like Sam Darnold, who's really looked well in the past yes. two or three weeks, gets another great matchup against the Bengals secondary. Obviously the worst team in the NFL for a reason. I think they're going to keep passing the ball. Le'Veon Bell very clearly isn't getting the same type of production he would have expected from the running back spot. It's got to go somewhere. Why not Sam Darnold a top 10 fantasy quarterback this week? Now at tight end position, who do you like? Yeah, this is difficult. I would have, I would have loved to jump on George Kittle last week. Like, even if he wasn't healthy, I would have went with Ross Dwelly knowing what I know about the Packers linebacking core in particular and how they handle tight ends overall. I don't want to go that direction, though, for the Giants. I think they could be down to their third-string guy, although I would say Darius Slayton, who we didn't really talk about wide receiver, yeah. is going to be a, a pretty good Debo Samuel, Tyreek Hill, DJ Moore replica. Again, 
they cannot handle the speed of the wide receiver position. I think Gary Slayton's basically the fastest player on either side of the ball right now. So he's going to be in my lineups most everywhere. Back to the tight ends, though. If I like Sam Darnold, I think the tight end for the Jets, Ryan Griffin, has to make some sense, right? Yeah. He had a great week two weeks ago. Caught a touchdown this past week, and that was it. Even if he catches a touchdown with how depleted the tight end position is overall, losing now Eric Ebron as well to a season-ending injury, I have to think even a touchdown against the Bengals defense is enough to be a top-10 starting tight end with Ryan Griffin, and he might still be available in your free agent wire. So I like him. I also like Noah Fant a lot against the Chargers defense. I feel pretty comfortable saying the Chargers will win. Obviously, they were on a bye last week, kind of can regroup, and, and there's a potential, although very small, they can make a run for that final playoff spot. I do think they struggle at covering the tight end position uh, that has a lot of speed. And no offense, basically that. That's a, that's a tight end with speed. And is the second option and really only true option besides Cortland Sutton when it comes to a passing game. So whether it be Drew Locke or uh, Brandon Allen at the starting quarterback for the Broncos, I still feel comfortable saying Fant is going to get enough targets and enough on the floor where he can feel comfortable starting if you have to at tight end. And back to your Griffin point, uh, he's looking for his third TD catch in a row. He ranks third among AFC tight ends right now with five receiving touchdowns, and he's really just come on the last couple weeks. Yeah, and he's basically like the Darren Fells for a time was also catching a lot of touchdown passes for the Texans yeah. and not much else. And I think if you don't have the Kittle, Kelsey, Ertz, Hunter Henry, Darren Waller, or Mark Andrews of the world, you're just looking for somebody that's going to score a touchdown. And whether it be a Dallas Goddard or – a Ryan Griffin or Noah Fant or Jack Doyle, again, with Ebron out now for the season, has a very good chance of getting five targets and 30 yards. That, that's it. That's what you're looking at for the tight end position, and I think it's, it's a tough pill to swallow, but you've probably been dealing with it all year, and if you're in a position to care about the fantasy playoffs right now and trying to debate between those lower-tier tight ends, you're just rolling the dice, and that's what you've been doing for most of the season. And a defense this week besides Lions and Bears. Well, I was going to say, can we kind of repeat my Philadelphia Eagles call from last week? Yeah, you can. Yep. I, and I followed your advice in one league. I did pick them up, so I'm yeah, I'm and it's great. this week. I, I, I wasn't even anticipating them getting 11 points against the Seahawks this week, but now you get the Dolphins, who have been able to score, but you know are turnover prone. I think the secondary is getting a lot better. What I learned with the Russell Wilson start over Lamar Jackson, uh, the ill-fated play that I made, is that the, the Eagles overall, and specifically their secondary, is getting better. This is not just the team that was getting run over that we saw uh, the Packers score 31 points on that Thursday night game way back at the uh, end of August or September. Like This is a good defense, and I think especially with the offense for the Eagles struggling, they have to kind of grimy and, and, and ground out some of these wins, and especially against the Dolphins. Why not roll with the Eagles this week? So I like them quite a bit. That's probably my top pickup option. I hate going this direction, but I wonder if the Packers might be among that group too. Again, uh, Daniel Jones has been turnover prone. The Packers can get to the quarterback and they can force turnovers. In fact, that's really the only way they win any games at this point. And I do think we'll be able to take advantage of a bad offense line for the Giants. And I, I feel like this might be the Darnell Savage jump the interception return to the house game. Okay. It's been coming. We've, we've been yeah. seeing it. There's There's been possibilities. I really feel uh, I feel good saying maybe not we're getting a defensive touchdown, but if any there were time, it's going to be either this week or next week against the Redskins. So if you pick up Packers defense, you can roll with them two consecutive weeks, weeks, which I find really important for the fantasy playoffs. And once again, tell us about the great podcast you and Jake do every Tuesday. Yeah, Jake, uh, my co-host, Jake Kutarski, and I, we do the Rotoware podcast every Tuesday, breaking down uh, many of the free agent options that you might be considering each week. Of course, now buys are over, so it's going to get a little bit harder. But when it comes to the playoff time in particular, trying to figure out what you're going to do with those depth options and, and, and really figuring out the matchups to come 
is going to be a crucial part if you're successful or not in winning your championship. So we go over many of those things, and we'll be going over all those uh, different options until Week 17. So we're going all the way through the NFL season uh, with you throughout the fantasy championships. And, of course, the RotoWire Network is a, a stable of great podcasts every single day of the week. Um, Friday DFS podcasts are really uh, doing quite well for us. And then on Thursday, um, we normally recap all the games to come with John uh, John McKechnie and Mario Puig. Although I think this Thursday with Thanksgiving will be the only time it doesn't happen. So we'll have to, we'll have to see. But normally, uh, Monday through Friday, great podcast on the Little Wire Network every single week. Well, Joe, again, thank you very much for your time. Have a great Thanksgiving, and we'll uh, talk to you next week. All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me on. And that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Fantasy Football Zone podcast. Thank you so much again for taking some time out and checking us out. You can always subscribe to us. That way you get those notifications when one comes available, like this one came out early. You'd know that right away. So, again, subscribe and you get those. Best of luck here, especially if it's the final regular season game for you and your league before the playoffs. Hope you score a lot of points and get that victory and get into the playoffs. We'll be back here next week to help you with the big playoff push as well. Lots of exciting times ahead here. And again, thank you so much for checking us out. Have a happy and safe Thanksgiving celebration. We'll talk to you next week. Subscribe to the Fantasy Football Zone and give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Follow us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Football Zone podcast.